Welcome to the Paranormal News Insider for the week of June 21st, 2022, and officially episode number 520. And this is your host, Dr. Brian D. Parsons, and we are live on the Paranormal King radio network at ParanormalKing.com. 520 episodes. I don't think I ever thought I would be saying 520 episodes. Um Years ago, people told me, well, you should do parts and chapters and seasons and all this other weird stuff. I was like, eh, well, you know, I already started counting, so <laughs> I'll just keep doing that. Good thing, because I probably would have lost track of, of where I was at. But anyway, yes, it's also June 21st. And I know uh, a few weeks ago, well, right after Memorial Day or maybe before Memorial Day. I don't know. I'm so confused. Um I talked about it being the uh, unofficial start to summer. Well, today is the official start to summer. And boy, it's a little warm here in Northeast Ohio. Got out of work and it was uh, 91 degrees. Didn't feel like it, but uh, that's what my car said all the way home. Well, I didn't say it. It just showed a number on the dashboard. But it was very warm and I don't mind. I, I don't mind the heat at all. But... Yeah, we're uh, it's summertime, officially, all the way through the end of September, September 22nd, I believe, this year. So strap in. It's going to be a fun summer, and I'm looking forward to seeing what kind of news drops in the next couple of months. I think it's going to be an interesting summer for the paranormal news, and hopefully you're getting out there and going to some of these paranormal conferences and conventions in your neighborhood I uh, do have the list. Probably got to update it. Yeah, I haven't updated in uh, a couple of weeks here, looks like. Uh, Paranewsinsider.com is your home for paranormal conferences and conventions. I do my best to keep that as up-to-date as possible, but uh, I do rely on you. Yes, you. No, not you. Yeah, right there, you. I rely on you for uh, uh, giving me some... Some of the ones that I missed, there's so many little ones, it seems like. You used to have a good 20 of them that were huge. And then I would kind of follow some of the uh, the regulars that went on tour. And I would just kind of look at their pages and then jot all that down. I filled out my calendar pretty well. But uh, it seems like there's a lot more smaller stuff going on all over the place, which makes it really, really hard for me to keep track of uh, what's happening. All around the United States. Uh, I don't. Uh, well, I do Canada if if they have any, but uh, I don't do Europe or anything like that. I just I don't have the time to do North American stuff, let alone European conferences, conventions. But we do have the Haunted America conference coming up this weekend, June twenty fourth and twenty uh, fifth in Alton, Illinois. That's the big one. Usually, well, they usually have two a year. They have the Dead of Winter. And then, uh, of course, the Haunted America Conference. Uh, UFO events, I, I feel like I'm lacking in that. There's uh, MUFON has events all over the place. Uh, they generally have monthly meetings as well, but I don't really put all those on there. We got a lot of them here yeah, between Ohio. Well, since Ohio is the home to MUFON, of course, uh, Pennsylvania next door, they usually have uh, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, um, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and I think Erie, Erie PA also has conferences. So there's a whole bunch in this area for uh, MUFON. But they have their giant one uh, coming up uh, in uh, July, July 8th through the 10th, I believe, because I get emails every single day talking about the MUFON Symposium out in Denver, Colorado. I hope they have the big conference out here one year in Ohio. I'm looking for maybe in Columbus would be great. Next year, hint, hint, maybe I'll make an appearance out there. Probably not going to speak, but uh, at least I'll, I'll buy a ticket, hang out. Um, 
Bigfoot stuff, of course, there's lots of Bigfoot stuff. Seems like cryptid events are overtaking all the events. UFOs always used to be the third, you know, amount of specific events. Now, a lot of, uh, a lot of events, like the one I put on, gosh, was it uh, six years ago, I put on a paranormal conference. I, I made sure I had two speakers of basically each of the, the big three. So ghosts, UFOs. And cryptids. Uh, just kind of spread it out because, you know, everybody's got their favorite. But I think most people are interested in more than one of these topics. Uh, but when I put these conferences together on the events page, I try to make it whatever the big focus is. But a lot of these do have more than one type of event. And I do recommend that you get out there. You uh, go to one of these events. It's pretty eye-opening. They're not all the same. Some are not the greatest, but uh, some are really, really awesome. And even the ones that are out in the middle of nowhere, sometimes you'll meet the most fantastic people, very knowledgeable people. And uh, you'll walk away sometimes with a different view on the paranormal. And, of course, you'll hear everyone's stories that they have, which is uh, part of the, the big thing, the cool thing that I miss, getting out and listening to people talk about their personal experiences all right, all that being said, you didn't come here for the weather. You didn't come here for, uh, well, maybe you did come here for some conferences, conventions. But uh, let's get into the news this week. And uh, before all that, I want to welcome back Dita to the chat room. Long time. No see, but uh, she's busy. I get it. I'm not glad I didn't completely lose her as a listener because, uh, yeah. I don't have a giant duck pond like some people do, full of people. Jim, thank you for being here tonight. Appreciate that as well. Oh, summertime. Man, is it hot. Not in here. Just outside. The poor, looking at the poor uh, birds, just like, bro, you didn't leave the sprinkler going today? No, I didn't. I want to burn the grass. Anyway, cryptid news this week. Yeah, I got to stop looking out the window, getting distracted. Um, that Amarillo thing, it's not going away. What's going on with that? At this rate, I think this Amarillo Zoo picture, I don't know, it might be the number one story of the year. Just kidding. No, it's not going to be the number one story. That's that's ridiculous. But it is pretty popular, and I'm surprised at how long this story is sticking around, even though there is no answer. I keep waiting for somebody to to step forward and say, well, you know, it was a joke. We wanted to see how viral we could get. It was really uh, Joe. He dressed up as a werewolf and ran around. Uh, he was drinking a little bit too much the other night. Uh, Joe, the janitor, he just dressed up and ran out by the fence. No, nothing so far. No news. Uh, I got my eyes peeled on that. I checked probably twice a day. I'm going to end up like probably shutting their website down. The amount of times I visit where I search for Amarillo Zoo. It's probably going to be the number one searched thing from Northeast Ohio pretty soon. I want to know what happened out there at the Amarillo Zoo. So if you, you're you a little bit behind, uh, there was a strange photograph that appeared through a camera used at the Amarillo Zoo in Texas, and it showed this weird-looking creature. kind of looked like the head of, uh, I don't know, a werewolf, maybe a coyote. And then it looked like something else underneath it. A lot of people see a, uh, a body. Some people see a chupacabra. Some people see, I, I don't know. It's, it's kind of one of those uh, eye test things. The Rorschach or Rorschach or whatever it's called. But uh, I'm shocked that nobody can figure out what this thing is. I don't understand how a, a simple photograph like that can elude us. But... Then again, I've taken a lot of weird pictures with my trail cams out back, too. But at least I know what they were with my camera settings. It takes multiple pictures of the same animals. And sometimes when they move too fast, I literally have deer that look like demons when they move too fast. And their eyes are glowing and they're, they're just a blur in the backyard when they're chasing each other around. But anyway, the uh, strange-looking animal, again, could be a person. And we also went down... Some other dusty roads that it might be uh, a person dressed in a costume. Uh, I guess kids do this a lot nowadays. This is the thing. I, I must be getting old because I, I don't 
ever remember anybody that I grew up with uh, dressing up like an animal uh, any other time other than around Halloween. Unless we were out maybe uh, camping or somebody, and somebody would put on a, a werewolf costume just to scare everybody or uh, whatever. But uh, yeah, not dressing up as a fox at the end of May just to traipse around in front of a zoo. I, I don't know what you kids are up to. Ah, oh, to be young again. Be able to spend my money on weird stuff like uh, animal costumes and pretend I'm a fox. That would be really, really weird. But anyway, not making fun of it. That's what some people want to do. That's that's fine. Do uh, do what you want to do. Be who you, or I should say, what you want to be. Um, I'm sure there's a pronoun for that, but moving on. Uh, so a lot of people were upset that uh, there's no video for this. Where's the video? But again, it was a picture, uh, really cheap cameras. And uh, I, I made the comment uh, about uh, it's probably not a good idea that they're publicizing. I don't think they thought it was going to get this big. But to publicize just how really uh, cruddy your camera systems are to the general public, especially out there in Amarillo. I mean, you're out in the middle of nowhere for like four and a half hours from the uh, DFW metro area. So it's not like you're going to drive out there to hop a fence to play with the uh, elephants or anything like that. I don't recommend that. Don't do that. Um, so just a picture. So, And again, unfortunately, this week we have no answers as to what happened out at the fence. But uh, a company has stepped forward to help and uh, try and find some answers for us, which is exciting. Uh, but uh, won't come anytime soon, I'm sure. The Amarillo Zoo photograph has become one of the most viral cryptid stories this year. Uh, it's really hanging in there. I'm pretty surprised. Uh, in response to this virality and uh, how big this picture has become, uh, Wise, it's pretty cool, Wise, but it's spelled uh, W-Y-Z-E. No wonder our kids can't spell nowadays. Uh, it's a Seattle-based smart home and wireless cameras company. Uh, Wise has stepped up to donate 80 brand new uh, security cameras to the zoo in hopes of potentially catching the animal not physically but in a picture. And uh, I'm sure that free public exposure isn't too bad either. The story not as viral as the uh, creature, the animal. But uh, it's, it's uh, getting some free exposure. So that company, I, I, I admit, I looked it up. I want to see how much it cost. I want to see what kind of cameras they got. And I put it uh, put in my favorites list on Amazon. So it worked. Good job-wise. Uh, Dave Crosby, the co-founder of Wise, the chief marketing officer for Wise. You're getting a lot of publicity from this uh story uh they provided a press release to discuss why the company decided to donate 80 of its v3 models to the amarillo zoo uh, he said quote uh, like many on social media we saw the picture of the unidentified amarillo object the uao uh, that was recently uh, seen near the amarillo zoo was it an alien an animal a human with a costume the world is curious. Unfortunately, the cameras at the Amarillo Zoo were not able to provide a clear image of the UAO. We're making it our mission at WISE to make sure when and if it comes back, we all get the answers we need. That's why we're sending 80 of our cameras. The WISE Cam V3 has color night vision so we can get a clear shot of when the UAO when it comes uh, back, when or if it comes back, unquote. Uh, Michael Kashuba, director of Parks and Recreation for the city of Amarillo, responded by saying, quote, there was no damage to the Amarillo Zoo and no animals were harmed. We were intrigued with the image and wanted to share the mystery. We are grateful for Wise and this incredibly generous donation to the Amarillo Zoo. It is doubtful we will ever discover the identity of the UAO. However, 
Thanks to WISE, the Amarillo Zoo will have the best camera technology on the market. This donation improves the security of the entire zoo facility, unquote. Well, I don't know about best camera technology on the market. I mean, they're not pan-tilt zoom cameras. You can't uh, read somebody's phone from 800 feet away like some cameras I've seen. I'm not going to tell you where. Uh, last week, I commented, uh, again, on the lackluster cameras used, and I, I didn't think it was a great idea for them to share this picture and say that this is pretty much the extent of our camera technology. That's it's not very good. I'm surprised Peter didn't go in there with some um, fence clippers and let everything loose after that one. The uh, Wise V3, it's, it's not a bad camera. It's, it's a pretty good little camera. Uh, it's weather resistant, uh, records in color, like they said. Uh, in near darkness, it, it's uh, very, very versatile. Uh, if you have a camera, uh, you need to light up your driveway you know, to see it. Uh, it's, it's very good. Little corners of your house, if you want to look at, keep uh, an eye on people. Uh, people are really getting really weird. Of course, in the summertime, the, the heat brings out the weirdos, especially on the weekend, uh, depending upon where you live. Uh, so having a nice little camera. Uh, I know a lot of people have those ring cameras for their front doors. Well, that's all well and good, but uh, you need to, to cover your house with these things because you never know who's doing what and uh, what's happening. Um, but the uh, these little cameras, I, you know, I was like I said, I was curious. I wanted to see how much they made or how much they were, you know, worth or what the camera really uh, had with it. Um, so I did a little research. Obviously, yeah, I went on Amazon and uh, looked it up. They're really not that expensive. I, I was thinking that they were outrageously expensive, but they're not. They're only $35 a piece. I was amazed. 35 bucks. I was like, wow, I'm going to get a couple of these things. So I thought, oh, gosh, this 80 cameras are probably a, you know 150 bucks a piece. No, they're $35. So... Not bad. So when you add it all together, I take my shoes off here for a second. Let's see, eighty times thirty-five. That's like twenty-nine hundred dollars. Well, a little over, but uh, yeah, twenty-nine hundred bucks. But I don't know who's going to install them for the zoo. So I'm sure they've got a a, a closet somewhere with these uh, boxes of the V3s sitting, uh, waiting for somebody to uh, set them all up somewhere. Well, it's a cool camera, though. It's looking, yeah, uh, records in color in your darkness. Uh, records a video when sensing motion or sound. Uh, so you can hook it up to that if you have, uh, like, Alexa or anybody else. I don't know who else talks to you. on your. That's just creepy. I don't like the people talking to me. I got a, a, an alarm clock that I can talk to. I guess when you're lonely, you just talk to your alarm clock. And it talks back. I tell it to play my favorite... Uh, Satellite radio station, and it comes on. Of course, I ask it to play the Paranormal News Insider. It says, what? Never heard of such a thing. Um, but you can have conversations with somebody through this camera. So you can hear what people are saying, but you can also talk back. So if they would have seen this creature live, they could have said, hey, are you a person with a suit? That's a cute suit you got there. And maybe they could have had a conversation. You could have found out who it was. Uh, so pretty cool technology, and again, you can buy them on Amazon for just over thirty-five bucks a piece. It's a deal. It's a steal. I got. Uh, I don't know. We'll see. Maybe I'll get one or three. Put them in my house. Um, see, question in chat about zoos here. Do zoos make money? Well, I hope so because I got to feed the animals. They got to get their bananas, whatever else they eat. Uh, the goats for the dinosaur. Wait, they don't have dinosaurs at the zoos, do they? I don't know. I've been to one in a while. Uh, yeah, they make money. Uh, admission, which is weird. Uh, where I live, uh, we have the Cleveland Zoo. And I can pay, I think it's uh, 99 bucks a year for myself and a guest. That's not too bad. But uh, you know, how many times do people really go to the zoo? So I think... They're kind of making money on some people because it's really it's only like 15, 20 bucks to get into the zoo. 
And you're going to get, you know, a lot of admission off of that. You know, they sell T-shirts and cups and hats and blow up animals. Well, they don't blow up animals. I mean, like you blow air into a plastic animal and carry it around with you. And then you lose it, you know, it falls out the window or the, the car door or something. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, admission, merchandise, uh, private donations. And I'm sure, you know, the city and state here in especially the United States make donation or, you know, give money. And it's a tax write off anyway, if you're going to. I'm sure if you send money to these people, but uh, I think they make a lot of money from. The uh, like the yearly signups because I'm always tempted. I get the thing in the mail. I'm like, man, that'd be so cool to be a zoo member. But then I think, like, how many times am I going to go? I mean, they do have two mountain lions, which are pretty cool. I like them. But uh, and you also get discounts. I could go to other zoos. Columbus Zoo is really nice here in Ohio as well. But uh, I can get discounts to go to other zoos, which are always nice. But, um, yeah, I think they they make their money probably from the T-shirts and the all the other stuff. But uh, they do make money. They got to feed the animals. They eat a lot of hay and bananas. That's a lot of money they spend on food for all the uh, different types of animals. And of course, you know, uh, medicines and doctors and all that stuff. So, yeah, it's probably not cheap to operate one of those things. And I can't imagine how they make money on like 50, 15, 20 bucks for somebody to go in there. But they, you know, they have all sorts of stuff that goes all year round. Even here in Northeast Ohio, we get uh, piles of snow. I mean, we're not the great white north, but uh, we get piles of snow and they still have uh, Christmas lights. Uh, you can go and walk around the zoo. So they make money in the off season as well. It's not like they shut the doors and lock the gates and don't make any money during the winter. But yeah, they make their, their big money here during the spring and summer and early fall. I miss the bald eagles. I feel bad, though. When I was a kid, you used to go to the zoo and you see the bald eagles. like, wow, look at the bald eagles. Now they, I can look out my window and they're flying around out here. So not so cool anymore. But sadly, uh, zoos are places that uh, it's pretty much it where you're going to find certain animals anymore, like rhinos and lions. Yeah, there's more lions in captivity than in the wild. It's pretty sad stuff. Anyway, where are we going? Uh, that's your cryptid news and a little bit more, your zoo information for the week. Uh, now we're going to go to UFO news. I don't know. Should I rebrand UFO news? Should I call it UAP news? Nah, I think we'll stick with UFO news. And, um, I, you know, every now and again, uh, I get a story... That is, um, I don't know what makes it this way, but uh, it's so viral and so big and so popular that uh, people that know that I do this stuff, they know that I'm in the, into the paranormal or I research, investigate, and also do this show uh, once a week. Uh, they'll send me uh, stories, but it's, it's very few and far in between. And I know it's a big story. I know it's uh, a very viral story when I get uh, – a handful of people just sending me this link like, hey, I bet you didn't see this. Well, I bet you I did, but that's okay. Thanks for sharing it. You and the 13 other people that sent me the same exact link. But they don't know. And I appreciate it. I do appreciate it. Um, but that also gives me, it does give me a good gauge as to what people are reading out there too, which is really nice. Um, so that would be... Uh, uh, interesting to you know it, it is nice to gauge that from people when they do everybody sends me that same link to story every now and again i do get something really off the wall and out there that uh, i didn't see or didn't hear about which i like those then of course i get people that send me weird stuff that i don't really talk about here on the show but that's okay to suppose uh so last week I got a lot of uh, emails, a lot of text messages, a lot of uh, instant messages about uh, China. Well, not just China, but China saying that it, it may have detected signals from alien civilizations. And I rolled my eyes and I saw the picture 
of the uh, fast radio telescope. I knew what was up. I already knew it. I didn't even have to read the story, and I already knew what the story was about. But I, you know, I read it, and I read another one that I read the source, and I read through different versions of the same story. So it's, everyone copied and pasted it pretty much. But uh, so we've seen headlines like this over the years. If you paid attention, uh, sometimes these radio telescopes do get strange signals and you know they'll proclaim quickly that oh it's uh it's a, it could be aliens might be them aliens uh but usually it has a pretty mundane explanation that's it's just it's just um not very exciting you don't ever hear from the story again because it's such a mundane thing sometimes it's exciting probably the most exciting one ever um, was in 2015, the uh, Parks Observatory in uh, New South Wales, Australia. Thanks for listening, Australia. Appreciate you guys down under. Got a few, uh, got a good handful of people that listen down there. Appreciate that. Or over there. up Could be up there, really, because I think maybe we're looking at the globe upside down sometimes. Anyway, um, they solved a 17-year-old mystery behind... Some strange signals. So 17 years, this uh, signal would come off and on, and they couldn't figure out where this thing was coming from or why it was just so sporadic. Couldn't really nail down either. It was just so fast. And uh, not to get into the uh, technical aspects of it, because I don't really have it in front of me anyway. Uh, it turned out that... Uh, these uh, certain particles that were triggering the observatory to uh, gather these signals. Now, they updated their their uh, uh, some of their technology in 2015. That's why they figured this out in pretty much a couple of weeks. And they had to write a paper about it, which is really embarrassing. Uh, it turned out that uh, somebody was opening the microwave door. Don't do that. Hit hit the uh, stop button. Don't Don't open the door when it's running. Very dangerous. If it can trigger a uh, radio telescope, it's probably not doing very good things to your feelings and your uh, your brain, your noggin. But yeah, it was the uh, microwave in the break room when they uh, they were cooking. So whoever that was was opening the door without hitting stop. Shame on you. But yeah, it took them 17 years to figure out it was a microwave. But anyway, uh, sometimes... It's just mundane. It's not even that exciting. It's just a satellite, uh, usually. It's a near-Earth object. You know, XM satellite radio going over top, so they hear Ozzy, and they're like, why do we hear Ozzy Osbourne? And the uh, telescope, is he, out in sp is he an alien? But no. Well, he could be. I don't know. It's not for me to answer. Uh, I think he was on Men in Black, wasn't he? One of those pictures, the TVs with the show and all the aliens. Anyway, on June 14th, Bloomberg picked up on a report that was published on the Chinese state-backed website Science and Technology Daily, stating that the uh, it was a narrow-band electronic electromagnetic signal, unlike anything they had previously detected, and it was recently discovered. So again, the fast radio telescope, the 500-meter Aperture spherical radio telescope. You know, they sat around a campfire and they try to bring up. Uh, how can we call it fast? They just threw a whole bunch of stuff out there and said, well, "Let's make it a little bit bigger." It's 415 meters across. Let's just go for 500 meter. That way you can call it fast. You'll see 500 meter aperture spherical radio telescope, also known as the Sky Eye, which that's new. Uh, they started calling it that, I guess, this year. I don't know. It's kind of a weird name. The Sky Eye. I like the Fast Telescope, personally. Uh, they reportedly captured the signal. And uh, it's being further investigated by the team. And, and this usually happens. Somebody says something that leaks out and it ends up being aliens. Uh, the news cited Zhang Tongji, chief scientist of the Extraterrestrial Civilization Search Team. Co-founded by uh, Beijing Normal University, 
the National Astronomical Observatory of the Chinese Academy of Sciences and the University of California, Berkeley. This guy's been around. Uh, as the story began to quickly build up steam on social media and news websites, uh, it took a different turn. And this is what kind of um, cemented this as an even bigger story. Uh, although it kind of just it fizzled out. I thought this would be a bigger deal, but it fizzled out because all of a sudden the uh, Science and Technology Daily page that that had the story came up uh, 404. It was gone. Somebody they took it down. It was suddenly taken off the website without any explanation. So of course that led to people um, wondering. Oh my gosh, is this this might be the real deal. They're just covering it up. They don't want us to know that we found signals from aliens. Maybe they're coming. Maybe these aliens heard uh, Black Sabbath and they're like, bro, we want to party with these people. And they're coming. They're coming to Earth. They want to buy tickets. Well, what do we do? Let's get them out there. Let's prop them up in front of the mic. Let's Let's go. We got to save the Earth. That would make a really good movie. Kind of like those kiss things with Scooby-Doo. Ozzy and the Aliens. I'd pay for that. I'd love to see that. Um, So, of course, yes, it drummed up a lot of speculation. Why all of a sudden did this uh, very important news item just dry up? Of course, you know, when you do that, there's no answer. There's no uh, reasoning behind it. There's always speculation. People are always wondering what's going on. Making a bigger deal out of it. but um, So are they covering something up? Well, actually, the, the answer is yes. Yes, they are covering something up. But it's not what you think. CNET reached out to the Zhang Tongji, uh, spelled a little bit differently than what's in the article, but same person. And uh, he said uh, via email to CNET, quote, these signals are from radio interference. All of the signals detected by SETI researchers so far are made by our own civilization, not another civilization. So SETI, of course, S-E-T-I stands for Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence. Because there is none here on Earth, apparently. Um, so, yeah, they're looking out there in the stars for intelligent life. And, of course, the joke is uh, all the satellites are always pointed away from Earth looking for intelligence. It tells you all you need to know, I guess. So, yes, there is a cover-up. Cover-up is underway. The article published on the Science and Technology Daily site was done so probably without permission and while peer review research was being conducted. Uh, This premature release could hurt the research behind the signals, and it's important that such work is not harmed so that we can understand what is going on, uh, how it's being researched, and uh, that others can research this as well, and uh, how our technology is working so we can not make the same mistake again. And sometimes these mistakes do lead to that technological advance. We understand Uh, how satellites uh, make these signals uh, bounce around on our technology. And of course, as the, you know, this is a giant satellite and they, man, if you read about what they did to build this thing, it's just, it's scary. Uh, They literally bulldoze towns. They forced people to move. Uh, It's really, really kind of sad for, you know, technology's sake, but, um, you're not allowed to have a phone like anywhere near this thing. So there's, you know, no cell towers. They they made sure it's in a dark area as far as technology and electronic or electronics are concerned. And uh, there's a few of those here in the United States. I think it was in North Carolina. They have a giant radio telescope, and the town is like really really awkward with this the technology. And there's dark zones of no uh, phones. You can't get a signal anywhere certain places well unless you you know if you got verizon i guess that's what they say maybe you got that cricket phone you get at that in the in the uh mammoth cave two miles underground to get a signal with those things i hear i don't know i don't have one but 
you can't just blurt this out that you found alien civilization with these signals because that uh, it's going to make people shy away from wanting to research that because that's not how science works. We don't just jump to conclusions. We let the work do the work. And when you jump to these conclusions, uh, people aren't going to want to do the work. They're just going to shy away from it and say, well, they already figured out what they thought was going on. So things like a microwave in the break room or uh, certain satellites and their signals will not get researched appropriately and uh, could cause more of these things in the future. So that's why it was taken off line. And uh, maybe a few months, maybe a few weeks from now, uh, I would guess a few months, we'll hear about the story again. And people who are actually uh, conducting science, scientific research behind this, trying to figure out exactly what it was, uh, once they figured out maybe other radio telescopes around the world, maybe even the Parks Radio Telescope down under, will uh, assist in the research to uh, put this to uh, a logical conclusion or a scientific conclusion and determine exactly what went wrong or what the signal was. Uh, yes, sometimes these strange signals do lead to big discoveries as well. So that's another reason not to jump to conclusions uh, because if this is a new type of uh, signal, maybe a, a different type of neutron star or a different type of uh, star period or a black hole or something new that we've never known or never discovered, uh, that's going to hurt the discovery. So let's not jump to conclusions. Let's, uh, let's just calm down. Let's just calm down. Let's relax and do the work. Science is a process. It's not a headline. But uh, yeah, it, it's very doubtful that this is a new discovery of any type. Definitely, probably not. I shouldn't say definitely, probably not. More than likely not. Aliens. Them aliens. Yeah, are we going back to... Uh, Area 51 anytime soon, these these people. I'm waiting for a Facebook invite to go again. That could be a big dish. People are bored. Let's all dress up and go out there. No, let's not. I don't get shot in the butt. Um, so last month, the other really big story of the, probably the I, I guess you could say the, the biggest story of the year. It's still having a residual effect. And that's what leads us to this particular story. Uh, last month, the United States Congress held a public meeting about UFOs. Well, really about UAPs, but mind your acronyms. And since then, we've had a slow roll of organizations uh, leaning in to help out. They're getting their two cents they're getting a public exposure they're they're getting their uh, they're counting their benjamins everybody wants you know when that uh, the fall comes around and they're we're doing the budget you know we want to move that uh, decimal point you know we want to move some we want to add some commas to our paychecks for our uh, you know our government organizations we want to you know we'll help out if you give the money We'll do what you want. Uh, so NASA, the uh, National Aeronautics and Space Administration, you talked about a lot here lately, and we'll talk a lot more pretty soon. Excited uh, on the sidebar here. I get uh, going down a rabbit hole. I know. Hopefully I'll make it back. I'll bring my shovel. The Artemis 1 is the rocket that I'm gonna, I got my ticket for. I saw Chris Evans got a ticket, too, so maybe he, him and I are going to go uh, on a rocket to the moon. It's pretty cool. He's got a ticket. I got a ticket. That, that means we're both going together. Really cool. I'm going to tell him about the – I'm not a big fan of the Buzz Lightyear thing. But anyway, bad decision. Um, so don't say infinity and beyond. Don't don't say that when we're getting launched there, Chris. Um yeah, the successful test of their engines. Hopefully they'll launch in August 
or thereafter this year uh, test flight. And then uh, we can go to the moon, go around the moon, test that puppy out. Um, we'll see what happens. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to the moon. I got a ticket, but uh, I got to work. It's like 25 days. I can't take that much time off. They don't give me that much PTO. Well, they do. But I can't take it all at the same. Maybe I'm going to leave my absence. Sorry, I can't work. Going to the moon. Be back in 26 days. If I don't get radiation poisoning. Anyway, yes, NASA has created a group, even though they initially said they were not going to create a group, to comb through previous data in search of potential answers to previous sightings, as well as hopefully take reports from those within its organization. Of course, they record everything they do because uh, when you're doing anything with aeronautics and you're doing things with uh, space, failure happens. And failure leads to success when you're talking about rockets. That's why rocket science is so confusing. Uh, because things go wrong, and sometimes, unfortunately, you learn from mistakes. Um, ask uh, Elon Musk about that. But uh, sometimes these things happen. And nowadays, people expect everything to work perfectly, you know, because our phones do all the time, right? And, you know, when there's a little bump in the road, people get all upset about it, and, ah, they're, they're going to fail. Uh, but these things happen. Rockets uh, fail. Uh, the NASA just lost uh, a couple of its, um, what, the uh, tropic satellites, little CubeSats, like a loaf of bread. I was watching that. Uh, the, yeah, the rocket failed on its second stage. It happens. They pulled the plug, though, which I was not happy about. I wanted to watch. They pulled the plug. So, you know, it happens. Uh, but they record everything. Uh, multiple angles uh, when these things are going up in the air. You know, we saw that during the, unfortunately, during the uh, Challenger, Space Shuttle Challenger accident, uh, how many, just how many camera angles they have on these rockets to, to kind of view how things are going and if there is a, any type of failure at all so they can kind of do the research to figure out what's going on. So, so uh, NASA has a lot of footage that they're going to have to go through uh, depending upon what they have. So I'm sure, you know, like people write in the Freedom of Information Act kind of thing. I'm sure that they're doing that. Other government agencies are saying, hey, um, we got a dude here that uh, said he saw something here over Orlando. Y'all got uh, any footage of that? I don't know. Let me dig through the archives here. Poor guy with glasses and a mustache. He's got to spend like eight hours a day for like six, seven months to find this 20 seconds of footage, but they probably got it. Uh, but I think NASA is also going to start asking its uh, astronauts and its uh, other scientists who are watching this stuff if they've seen anything, hopefully, and uh, take some reports from those within the organization. Uh, in addition to you know all these requests for uh, data, I, I, you know they're going to sit around and watch all these old films, like VHS. Laser disc from the 70s and 80s? I don't know. Maybe they will. Uh, NASA states that the search for UAPs or UFOs in our realm uh, is data poor. So their goal is to make it data rich. Uh, the goal with that isn't to prove that UAPs or UFOs exist or that aliens are, are buzzing planet Earth on a consistent basis, but to get down to the... the the basics of what is being seen, what's going on. Can we add more information so we can tell what's actually happening around the planet? And uh, well, all that said, it seems like a lot of other countries are jumping on the bandwagon. It's weird. Uh, we heard a little bit of this last year when the uh, official UAP report dropped I'm pretty close to this time last year. It was kind of uh, not that big of a deal. You know, it was pretty mundane. Uh, you know, there was a, a bunch of reports that were unsolved, unknown as to what they were, but it was really the report itself was uh, really not that exciting. 
and they really hurt themselves uh, by not having a lot more detail. But uh, a few countries last year kind of jumped on that bandwagon, and this year, no different. Uh, Canada has now joined the research hopes. The Canadian Nuclear Safety Commission uh, has some security questions and concerns related to drones and UAPs that are appearing near United States facilities and is now poised to share related information moving forward. So they're joining in on that. That's a pretty big thing about drones buzzing these nuclear sites. Uh, that's a concern. That's a big problem. And we've uh, seen a lot of that stuff, not just nuclear sites, but, um, you know, you're, you're thinking of uh, like uh, power facilities, but not just that, but where nuclear warheads are stored and uh, some of our waste, nuclear waste dump grounds are, are being buzzed by drones. Why? What's going on? So that's a concern, not just for us, but other countries as well. Uh, but now, even more people are joining in on this. Uh, Gary Heseltine, a retired detective from England and the editor for UFO magazine, has been asked to brief the Brazilian Senate in a public hearing in the capital of Brasilia on June 24th. He's also one of the founding members and current vice president of the International Coalition for Extraterrestrial Research, also known as ICER. That's a cool acronym. Um, Heseltine told the Wakefield Press, quote, I am honored to be invited to testify before the Brazilian Senate about the global aspect of unidentified flying objects and unidentified aerial phenomena and its issues. Uh, with recent legislative developments in the United States, all countries should acknowledge and cooperate on the UAP subject and realize that it is imperative that the subject be addressed as a one world human race issue. Unquote. That's pretty impressive. Uh, I agree. Um, it's weird, though. You look at other countries. And they have a, a far different interpretation as to what's going on in the skies than uh, than other people. Uh, here we have a multifaceted view in the United States. Uh, half the people think it's aliens. Uh, the other half think it's uh, security risks and other countries uh, buzzing our skies. I think, who knows, it could be a combination. It's never just one thing. And Brazil... Uh, like a lot of South American countries, uh, UFOs is a very, very popular topic, uh, very concerning. Uh, it's been focused on. It's not something that was laughed at and swept under the carpet like here uh, the United States for decades. Uh, it's been taken very seriously uh, for 20, 30 years. Uh, the UFOs collection is the most visited in the National Archive of Brazil. And UFOs were also the most frequent subject on information requests made to the Brazilian government uh, after uh, Brazil's Freedom of Information Act was enacted in May of 2012. So people want to know. They want to know what's going on in the skies over uh, Brazil. And uh, let's see, what do we have here? 75th anniversary. Talked about that last week. Last week was the official. I timed it out so we would have that. That's why I put the show on Tuesdays 10 years ago. Uh, so that I could time it out to be on the 75th anniversary. No, I didn't. No, I didn't. I just had a one in seven chance. Um, Mark the 75th anniversary of the discovery of wreckage. That was thought to have been from a UFO in uh, Roswell. You might have heard of that. It's not just a TV show. It's a real place. Uh, it was in early July of 1947. And during a time of UFO hysteria. Here in the United States. Uh, and I did this story late. Uh, because I'm sure. Once I say some of this stuff. People are going to drop off the show pretty quick. But anyway. That's how I feel, and I'm not going to hide it. Um, 
yes, the uh, UFO hysteria was in full gear in July 1947. Uh, the Army quickly labeled this as a UFO discovery. And we saw it in that uh, the Roswell paper. It's uh, the most famous picture of Roswell, the front cover of the newspaper. Uh, the U.S. government quickly helped change this story uh, to the object being a weather balloon. But uh, that was actually after being able to examine pieces of it because uh, they didn't really know what weather balloons were. Uh, people see weather balloons today and mistake them for UFOs. So uh, you think 75 years ago, they weren't as uh, hip on technology of uh, those types of things. Uh, but we confuse that stuff now. So can't imagine it would be any different back then. Uh, so, yes, it was uh, – Everyone thought it was a cover-up. Well, first they said it's a UFO. Now they're saying it's a weather balloon. Come on. Uh, but yes, the cover-up. And I'm, I'm still surprised to this day how many – I've had this conversation at uh, some paranormal events, and I'm surprised how many people don't really realize that, yes, it was a cover-up, but not because they thought it was a UFO, uh, but that it was a top-secret high-altitude balloon. That was being sent toward Russia to measure for surface level radiation, uh, surface level testing of nuclear weapons. Uh, we don't want them to know that. We don't want to tip our cards, even though they were, uh, what, two, three years ahead of they, they hadn't uh, created a bomb or tested a bomb yet. We didn't know that. We we're trying to figure that out. So we couldn't let that uh, be known. So we had to make up some kind of weird story. And maybe they thought. Nobody would believe the UFO thing, which yeah, I don't think a lot of people did. We make a big deal about it now, but I think back then that was a headline. But it would be like somebody found uh, Bigfoot bones. We probably wouldn't believe. We'd be pretty skeptical, even though, again, there was a lot of hysteria around UFO sightings. People were seeing the UFO every day back then. You know, this is right after uh, the Kenneth Arnold incident. Uh, June was a June 24th. So, yeah, everyone was wrapped up in that. And this was, uh, what, two weeks after that that came out of the news. So, of course, people were all excited. Uh, but they wanted to cover it up. Project Mogul was uh, declassified decades later and uh, seemed to put an, an ending to the Roswell story uh, because the truth, the truth was out there. And it wasn't too far out there. It was right there. Uh, however... A man named Stanton Friedman created the uh, the Roswell that we know, the uh, household name that we equate with aliens, UFO events out there in Roswell. Uh, he uh, interviewed a man named Jesse Marcel in 1978 that, yes, brought Roswell to the mainstream and forever into UFO culture. Uh, Marcel's statements were... Uh, a little different to Friedman than what he told the Army and the press back in 1947, which should have been your first clue that things weren't quite right. Uh, within a few years, dozens of so-called witnesses stepped forward to be interviewed, creating multiple versions. Uh, they literally have like version 1.0, version 2.0, version 2.2. Uh, there's so many different versions that there's literally people who have been studying this for 20 or 30 years trying to sort all this stuff out. There are books upon books about Roswell because of how many people have stepped forward and say that they have information that no one else has or they've seen this or they've seen that. So everybody wants their 15 minutes or at least a book. Uh, so, yeah, so many people are stepping forward to, to try to get interviewed uh, of what purportedly happened in that desert 75 years ago. Many of the stories actually contradict each other. And even the basic story of a UFO being hit by lightning doesn't hold merit. Uh, the storm is actually not in that area at that time. And there was a the storm that went through Roswell was days later. So y'all got your facts mis, mis, uh, mistook. Either way, I'm not a uh, big believer 
in the Roswell UFO crash. I think it pretty much happened the way it's put there. Uh, was a weather balloon. We didn't want Russia to know. They read the paper. They read the uh, Roswell, whatever it was, Roswell Times. I don't know what it was. Truth or fiction, the Roswell incident and the culture surrounding it would be nothing, absolutely nothing, without the famed nuclear physicist and UFO researcher Stanton Friedman. Uh, I've had the pleasure of, of uh, interviewing Stanton, uh, talking with him, and uh, never actually physically met him, but he was a very confident man about his information. Uh, sometimes I think his confidence blinded him a little bit to the reality of what might be going on, but he firmly believed in what he believed. And uh, he's a very hard hard man to argue with, uh, very passionate. And on July 1st, Stanton Friedman will be honored with a planet-shaped marker along with his name embedded in the sidewalk in Roswell, New Mexico, as part of the 75th anniversary celebration of the incident. Uh, I know anybody who's ever had a paranormal show has probably interviewed Stanton. And uh, he's not one of those guests that uh, you're going to have to pry information out of. The guy will literally talk nonstop uh, in a good way. The guy could carry a show very easily. Uh, also, Jesse Marcel Sr., the U.S. Air Force officer who helped recover the debris from the farm and was present during its transfer, will also receive a marker. It's like the, the Hollywood Walk of Fame, but the UFO Walk of Fame out there in Arizona. It gives me another reason to go out there and check it out. And uh, sadly, uh, Stanton Friedman passed away on May 13th, 2019, from a heart attack at the Toronto Pearson Airport while returning to New Brunswick from a lecture here in Ohio. Uh, so great to see him uh, being honored. Uh, I know they're still going through all of his work, all of his papers. Uh, he was a little bit messy of a guy. I'm the same way. I've got piles of stuff everywhere, but I know wh where everything is. And I'm sure he was the same way. And uh, they're going through all of his paperwork so that people can look at his work uh, down the road. I don't know what's going on. I haven't heard anything about that. Uh, out there in New Brunswick, Canada. Uh, but uh, very great man. It's, it's, it's a very big loss for the UFO world for somebody like Stanton. And I really wish he were around right now to see all this stuff going on right now. I'm sure he'd be pretty vocal about a lot of this stuff. And that's kind of what we need. Nobody's really stepping up the UFO world. We're letting everybody else do the talking. We're letting the government do the talking, which is dangerous should not let him or let them do the talking. And, uh, you know, I mentioned a SETI, the search for extraterrestrial intelligence. Uh, of course, you know, looking out into space for intelligent life. And his uh, proclamation was that uh, SETI should be uh, really should stand for silly effort to investigate. Because they're right here. They're in our cities, they're in our skies. Right now, why are you guys looking out there in space? Look around. They're here. And, um, you know, he'll be the first guy I think of when or if, if I'm still around, when we do discover, hopefully, that UFOs are in fact real. I really wish that he would have been here to see that. So, thank you for listening tonight. I will see you next week. But for now, keep your eyes in the skies. You never know what you're going to see. Uh, your ears in the woods, the hair standing on the back of your neck, and always keep your mind slightly ajar. And above all else, don't stop believing. For the Paranormal News Insider, this is Dr. Brian D. Parsons reporting.